Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm the other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we're not here to lie to you. We are here to be your friends. <laughs> I ain't here to make friends. I'm here to win RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 4. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, we're not going to talk about that just yet. But we are going to talk about that. Yeah, girl, because we just saw it. Yeah. And we're, we've got a juicy dose of reality for you all today. Yeah, that we're going to get into. But before we get into that, if this is, you know, we have to tell the kids who we are. Oh, who the fuck are we? <laughs> well, we are we are gay husbands. Yes, that's, I remember that. <laughs> Hashtag gay husbands. Hashtag gay husbands. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm Angel. Do you want to you want to introduce me, honey? Oh, switch it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you're Angel. Yes. You're I my gave husband. You yes, you did. Um, you're Noche's father. I am, but not biologically. No, because that would be weird. No, but it would also be a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are a film producer. Mm-hmm. You are a writer, and you are also an astrologer. I am, and a seamstress. Yes. Well, no, in your dreams. A dreamstress. I am. Oh, I love that. You're honey. a dreamstress, a honey. Dream Hashtag stress. dreamstress. Trademark spiritual gaze. <laughs> Come to me. I will sew some dreams together for you. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. It's a short story I'm about to write. Right. I love it. All right. Well, let's get through this so you can get to work. All right. Introduce me. You are Brandon. I am. You're a healer. I am. You are a writer. I am. You're an actor. These are true. And the author of Dreamstress, <laughs> <laughs> the new short story. Soon to be available and optioned by someone famous's company. That would be Reese Witherspoon. Would be Reese great. Witherspoon. Exactly. Yeah, she's a dreamstress. Clearly, that I'm going to beat her to it. <laughs> okay. She and I will partner on it. It's a bidding war, everybody. It's a bidding <laughs> war. <laughs> she and I would be great together. We're both Aries. Oh, she's an Aries a powerhouse duo. There you go. Reese, if you're listening, we're working together soon. So we want to just dive right in because we have an amazing spirit talk for y'all yeah. with the incredible Tracy McMillan, mm-hmm. who, if you don't know who Tracy McMillan is, first of all, you're welcome. And second of all, prepare to have your mind blown. Yeah. She is a relationship expert. She's an author and a TV writer. And a creative vortex. Completely. And a style icon. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. And the best hair in the business. Yeah. But we'll get into it even more uh, very, very shortly. First, real quick, let's just do a quick check-in, honey. How are you doing? Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh. No, I'm actually doing pretty well. Yeah? It was just my birthday, which I love. I love my birthday. I take that birthday bull by the horns and I ride it until I can't ride it anymore. In fact, I'm still riding it because I haven't seen some friends and we're going to do like a post-birthday birthday and I haven't seen my mom or my brother and I'm just spreading it out all month long. I am curious to ask because when we first met... Yeah, the birthday storm. Brandon would have a birthday storm. I would break down every birthday. Yeah, it was never cute. And then what changed? I just took ownership of it. How so? Well, I think in the past... When I used to be visited by the birthday storm, I would not really plan my birthday, but I would put a lot of pressure on it. Like it had mm-hmm. to be a perfect day and it had to be a perfect day just because that's how the stars aligned. Mm. And so I would always be disappointed because I would kind of passive aggressively just expect for this magical day to happen, but not put any legwork to make that so. And now that you've come to know yourself a little better, is there even like maybe something astrologically you can point to that 
maybe gives you a sense of why you were that way. Are you leading me here? It's clearly no, my ca- oh, it's clearly my Capricorn. Oh, okay. Moon. No, this I wasn't sure. All, I wasn't no, this leading. This is all low vibe Capricorn Moon or high vibe Capricorn Moon. Got it. Low vibe Capricorn Moon is like all I see are problems. I'm being super passive aggressive. I can't believe that like things aren't working out better for me. It was like very self critical. Like I can't believe I'm another year older and I'm not famous. I don't have an Oscar yet or whatever. And then on my 30th birthday, I decided to really own my birthday and I chartered a bus with 30 of my best friends and we went to a crystal mine and we dug crystals all day. And it was hands down the best day of my life. It was fun. Except for our wedding and the day we hiked into the Haleakala Crater. Thank you for mentioning the wedding part. Of course. (laughs) And (laughs) I just got it in there. Um, And that shifted everything. I realized that if I took ownership of my birthday, if I planned it, if I organized, I mean, that's high vibe Capricorn moon is literally scheduling, organizing, buy the tickets, plan the party. And then I always get what I want and I'm always happy about it. So that's kind of how I went from low vibe birthday storm to high vibe birthday magic. Well, I'm happy to see it. Uh, not because it affected <laughs> me. Because you were a victim <laughs> to <laughs> no, the birthday storm. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, I never looked at it as like, I can't believe my day's ruined. Like, it was more just me being upset that you weren't enjoying yourself. And, you know, it's hard to take someone out to dinner and have them cry the whole way through it. You know what? I'm sure that can't be easy or pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I had to distill it down, the shift really is about allowing myself to receive Oh, that's sweet. Before I was closed down, I wasn't as open-hearted as I am now. And so my birthday was a challenge. You were guarded. I was very guarded. And that can be very low vibe Capricorn moon. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, yet on my birthday, which was not yesterday, it was a couple days ago, but I really just tried to open my heart and just try to receive it all because there was so much love coming in. And I think we can always, you know, it's a spiral path. You always open more and more, but I definitely feel like I am opening and it feels good to open up and receive all of that. I almost like cried at birthday dinner this year, but not because I was sad because I was so overwhelmed with looking at the people I love. Well, happy birthday to you. Thanks, baby. How are you, my love? What's what's going on with you? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, are you? Yeah. Your voice only <laughs> lifted about two octaves. No, I am doing pretty well, to be honest. Um, you know, we've... We've been going through some things with Noche with our little pup, and he is on the other side of some things. Yeah, he's going to make a full and complete recovery. Yeah, so he had to have a little surgery, and now he's doing better, though he's sleeping with a cone on his head, which can't be fun. No. I ain't going to do it. But, uh, I mean, I guess if I had to, I would, but I don't want to. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, that was a little stressful, but glad to be uh, heading toward the other side of it. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, doing well, you know, sort of just like living in the shift. I am so aware of all the like cosmic shifts that are occurring right now. And a lot of them are happening, uh, pretty directly in effect to things that exist in my chart. So I'm definitely feeling them. I'm definitely feeling the push to continue toward like personal healing and personal growth. Um, you know, like going hard on like, you know, getting in touch with my body and continuing to heal that, continuing on my like, you know, meditative practices and, you know, just enjoying all the experiences I get to have doing readings with people and connecting with people and knowing that I am in touch with my purpose. That's beautiful, honey. Yeah. And honestly, trying to like eliminate the things that 
feel like they're in the way of my purpose. And that's the challenge. When you talk about those big astrological transits, are you talking about Chiron moving into Aries? Chiron moving into Aries. Which is huge, y'all. And I was even thinking that I'm going to pitch to Angel live on the show right now that our next deep dive might be on Chiron. Done, sold. Because it's the planet. Well, first of all, it's a very unusual planet because it orbits both Saturn and Uranus. Yeah, it's not even technically a planet, they say. You're right. I think they call it a dwarf planet, but it's also mm-hmm. an asteroid. Right, right. Yeah, see, and then sometimes I've heard it's like a moon of Jupiter or something. So. Yeah. We are diving in, everyone. Very mysterious. The planet of the wounded healer. Tune in in two weeks. Should we dive into a quick dose of reality? Yeah. Let's do it. It's time for a dose, dose of, of reality. reality. So we really wanted to do a dose of reality because Tracy McMillan, whom we love. Yes is somebody that live tweets The Bachelor. And she's also going to be in a brand new reality-based television series on OWN. Oprah's network. Yes. Called Family or Fiance. And it's going to be coming out on March 9th on OWN, which we can't wait to watch. We can't wait to start talking about it in our Dose of Reality. Heck yeah. But we're going to start our Dose of Reality off by talking about the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 4, which just happened. Glazed. I'm glazed. It was a tie. It was a tie. Spoiler alert, but by now you would have already seen it. It's been almost a week. It was a tie. It's a tie. And I have to say, I was rooting between Trinity the Tuck and Monet Exchange. I have to say, of the last four, I was probably the most enamored by Trinity the Tuck just because I felt like she had like been bringing it, but I felt like she'd been bringing it the most consistently, but I did feel like the other three were all really strong. And in the finale, I thought Monet stole it and should have won full out. Yeah. I, I am so conflicted because they both are such talented Queens, but they weren't the most talented Queens the whole competition well no agreed and so a couple weeks ago when some of the most talented queens got eliminated not based off their lack of talent but based off the inner politics of the game i felt like the integrity of the competition was sacrificed and then for there to be two winners sacrifices the integrity of the competition even more wow well she just went there you just went there all all in with your review i'm being honest about it you know you're talking obviously about manila being voted off but i think it's then challenging because manila was kind of the first one to introduce this whole mentality of like you know i'm not going to play by the rules because remember she was she was like i'm just going to save my friend regardless of whether she was the best or not so in a way it was like a little bit of like you know what's the word i'm looking for sorcery oh i don't know if it was sorcery per se but i do think she kind of like you know, opened, she opened pandora's box she did and then she was a victim of it yeah and then became a victim of it but you know who lost because of that us the viewers ah, that's true because i would have loved to have seen her finale outfit. yes it would have been incredible uh, but at the end of the day, I was really glad that Trinity was, you know, inducted into on, the Hall yeah, of Fame. Was inducted, and I and think thank Goddess that Monet Exchange was inducted into the Hall of Fame because before that, it was just a bunch of fake white women, and by fake, uh, I mean they're uh, actually men. So it was good to have a little bit of diversity brought into the RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars well, Hall of finally. Fame. Finally, well, that should have happened last season when Shangela showed up. Anyhow, let's also dive into our favorite drag queens, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> 
I said to Angel, I said to Angel the other day, I said, you know, it's a really good time to be a drag queen because the line between real woman and drag queen has never been thinner. Oh my God. Just because you watch these real housewife shows and the amount of makeup they wear and the way their outfits are put together, it's hard to tell. Drag queen, natural woman. I know, but don't you think on some level it's like the drag the drag race influence? Oh, it's a hundred percent. Well, it started with the Kardashians. You know, like the Kardashians right. stole all of their, you know, makeup and style from the drag queens, right? Like they stole contouring from the drag community. Mm-hmm. And then real women were like, Oh my god, we can do this too. And so now it's just a mess. Yeah. A beautiful, gorgeous <laughs> mess. It is. But yes, they are back, and we're very happy to see Lisa Rinna back on our TV screen. At yeah. Least, yeah. I mean, I'm happy that some of the others are back as well. And but I Lisa think... Rinna is the next saint candle we're going to purchase for the altar table, so we really, <laughs> we're really repping for her. Oh, well, yeah. We're trying to pull her in as a guest. Wouldn't that be amazing? Someday. Uh, but no, and it, and it's, it's jumped out real quick on the first episode because they're already in the midst of a big fight, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I'm just feeling really blessed because the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills are back and then the Real Housewives of New York are coming back in like a week or two. Yeah, and the Real Housewives of Atlanta are still on. So, so it's like the best of the best. It's a miracle we're even recording this podcast <laughs> is basically all I have to say. Uh, yeah, so you'll be getting probably some more updates on all these ladies as we continue on. But now let us transition. You guys, if I could tweet tweet this entire interview, I would. Because mm-hmm. it's just full of unexpected wisdom. And I can't wait to share this with you. So without any further chit chat, let's move into this episode's Spirit, Spirit Talk. I am sitting across from the gorgeous, radiant, fabulous Tracy McMillan. We are so excited to have her here in the spirit room. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you. And Tracy is so many things. She is a relationship expert. She is an incredible writer of both novels and television. And um, and I think of her as like a creative vortex. Frankly. Oh, So that's yeah. the title I'm giving you, the creative Thank vortex. You. Thank you. Thank you. to your website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a card now. It says okay. Tracy McMillan, spiritual Creative vortex. Creative vortex. Spiritual creative vortex. Spiritual <laughs> yeah. guru slash creative vortex. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to start this conversation just by drawing you out on the fact that you are a spiritual guru. You are this relationship expert. And you also live tweet The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we love that because we also kind of think that we inhabit this middle space between mm-hmm. like spirituality, but also like reality. Fun. Like yeah. fun. And so I just wanted to, you know. Well, the first thing that I was going to say when you said that is that God is everywhere. Mm. And when I learned that God was everywhere, that it wasn't about that there were places where God was and places where God wasn't. It's like, and a lot of it's like you bring God consciousness wherever you go. So I'm going to bring some God consciousness to The Bachelor. Love it. And so that means that I'm going to let go a lot of the stuff that is... You know, because there's obviously a lot of human consciousness in The Bachelor, which what do I mean by that? Like, to me, it's like where you see people exercising their free will in ways that are selfish and self-centered, where they've decided what it is that they need to have the life that they want. And then they've decided how they're going to get it. And if they objectify or use another human being to get that, they're okay with that. Yeah. And... um. This is what a lot of people do in dating. Yeah. So I and marriage. I call it sorcery. 
Mm. Ooh, it's like more. relationship sorcery. Well, mm. sorcery in like a shamanic perspective is when you use your skills mm. to do something that doesn't raise all the boats. Wow. So like there's always one choice to be made that will serve all parties. Right. And sometimes that choice doesn't serve you as highly. Yeah. It's sorcery if you decide to make the action that services you above all other things. Wow. It's oh. healing if you take the action that services everybody. Oh my God, that's so good. So, so yes. Yeah. And so I mean, I feel like- Relationship sorcery. I mean, that's what people do. And it's a level, to me, I don't blame it. It's more like a level of consciousness. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you're you're still in the place where you're thinking that other people came here for you, that they're like a, a, a resource to be strip mined, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and that you can take what you want from something and that there's no... There's not going to be a karma to that. Yeah, like you there's know no what consequence. Mean? Yeah, there's no consequence. To pillaging the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like very it's, similar. It's a very masculine, um, you know, because like masculine can want to uh, use resources. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you look at like the masculine energy on the planet that'll just go, hey, rainforest, I right. see paper. <laughs> totally. I see yeah. I see rubber. I see whatever. Sure. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> be a capitalist and make billions of dollars off this thing. And mm-hmm. if that means these people don't have somewhere to live or the pl- climate change is going to happen, I'll just go into denial or whatever. Yep. yep. So I think the same thing happens. And I mean, I'm not trying to be lofty, but like the same mm-hmm. thing happens in relationships where people decide that another person is there for them, that they're going to take something from it. And I feel like so much of the time you could, you see this in things like the bachelor. So to me, Human beings are here, you know, evolutionary, from an evolutionary standpoint, we, we've got two purposes, uh, um, reproduction and survival. And so to me, it's not surprising that the two longest running reality shows on TV are Survivor and The Bachelor. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because Bachelor is all about the female side of searching for a mate a partner, because it's all about marriage. This is not about like a show about a one night stand. You know what I mean? This is a show about who you're going to marry and presumably mate with and grow a family with. And what are, what are you looking for? Oh, he's got to be this, that, the other. And if you want to see our collective consciousness around it, you just look at what goes on in The Bachelor. Wow. Yeah. So what I want to do is like take that discourse, that conversation that's happening, that set of values that's being um, presented and bring some consciousness, uh, spiritual consciousness to it. And that, so that's why I live tweet the bachelor. It's amazing. Well, because you look at it like a morality play in a I way, mean, right? Like it's, there's a lot of teaching to be gleaned. Oh from my it. God. Because here's the thing, people, you know, you can't hide who you are from the camera. It's right. right there. It's not that they make it up. Now I've been in two reality show situations. One, I was on a show called, Ready for Love mm-hmm. in 2013. And I am I just finished doing a show for the Oprah Winfrey Network that is going to premiere. I don't know when you guys are playing this, but it's going to premiere March 9th. Oh, hey, amazing. Hey. On Saturday nights on OWN. It's called Family or Fiance. And it's about couples who are engaged, but their families are against it. Mm. So three members of each family and the couple, they all go move into a home in Bel Air for three days. And they go on this journey. And um, around and the at the end, it's kind of like the rose ceremony. They ask for the blessing from the family. Do we have your blessing? Mm-hmm. Now I play the sort of relationship coach who coaches the couple 
through the process of getting this blessing. So mm. I give them tasks to do. I give them things to engage with. And I kind of talk to them about what's going on. And every day I check in with them and then I leave and then they deal with their families. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of an amazing show like to watch these families work out what's going on with the couple very very powerful because like sometimes it's that the families can see things that the couples can't see oh wow but here's what i say about the reality show okay people say reality shows are totally made up well not really it's more like you've got people who have certain character traits and certain wants. And if you just wind them up and close the doors, right. <laughs> they're going to show it. and run a camera. Yeah, yeah. For 15 hours a day, you're going to see it. I know. I'm always like fascinated when people say, well, the editing really messed me up. I'm like, but honey, you, you, you gave them the you raw made that materials. Face. Yeah. <laughs> you made that face. Yeah. You said that thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it reminds Regardless. me, I had an acting teacher. She used to say like, character is what comes out of you under pressure Mm. like that's your character right like that's who the character is and so i think oh in reality tv they're under these very pressured circumstances yeah so what comes out that's the truth who they really are yeah Yeah. and that's why they're so compelling i mean there's a reason why this genre without it doesn't have production values it doesn't have like it's not like it's like oh you're watching some amazing um like costumes or it's not like avatar it's not like a visual splendor it's just people usually in a room you know with some edits or whatever back and forth a conversation like you know i write scripted television so the difference between reality and scripted is so interesting like in scripted it's all about the action it's about who's taking the actions in reality it's all about the reaction mm. it's like what's happening on your face when somebody's telling you that they cheated or somebody's right. telling you that oh, wow. such and such happened and then they're like oh girl you know and it's all on the re- it's all on receiving the information in reality oh that's so interesting Mm-hmm. So I'm interested. Whole different thing. Yeah, I'm interested because you mentioned about the families sort of mm-hmm. seeing things sometimes that mm-hmm. the couples can't. Were the families also projecting their own shit? Were you yes, noticing some of that as sometimes, well? Sometimes, for sure. Because problem relationship problems are so often generational. Yeah. Like there's this thing called repetition compulsion where if you just do what comes naturally, you are going to repeat what was done to you. You're either going to repeat it Exactly. Or you're going to repeat the mirror image. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so let's say, yeah, but it'll it. still be a reaction to that first thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, so it's not random. It's like if you were, let's say your parents were super strict and you you do the opposite, you're going to be super lax or you could be super strict either way. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter which choice. If you're unconscious, you're going to do something related to the childhood situation, which is essentially taking the childhood situation and moving it into the present day Mm. because you're acting from it. Right. So yes, these families. Now I will also say this in every family, there was always at least one high consciousness person who would raise the whole system up Mm. through their awareness, their God consciousness, whatever it was. Or even just their presence sometimes. Yeah. Even just their presence. So there was always at least one person that had this 
like they just saw the truth. They were had they were wise. Yeah, they would be the wise person in the family. And do you think that was good casting, or do you think every family has someone? I think it's both, but it was good <laughs> casting. Well, every family also has um, a supermodel in it in our show. I mean, well, this is like an ethnography of Black America. So because it's own, this is families from all over different parts of America. Black America specifically. So we had families from Texas, families from Atlanta, families from New York, families from California, families from Memphis. So you're really getting to see all these different kinds of families and they all have similarities and they all have differences. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's a pretty cool show. I'm very, yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to be part of it. I'm just glad to have you back on own. I know it's nice. <laughs> I come know. Come back around. Exactly. If anyone who's listening has seen, you probably have seen Tracy. She was on Super Soul Sunday. Yeah. Um, and had to it got the opportunity to sit under the the oak tree. That's right. You guys <laughs> came to my viewing party. We did. I need to yeah. That was so sweet. It was ah, amazing. It was Thank you. I don't know how to do stuff like that. Probably owing. I have a friend and she was like, are you going to have a viewing party for family or fiance? Yeah. And I was like, it literally never even occurred to me. Right. <laughs> but then you did a great job. I know I did. And then now you I have also, to do it again. I remember your birthday party where you gave an amazing speech. You stood oh, up on yeah. a chair and my everybody. Friend, my friend made me have a birthday party. Well, you got good friends. They like <laughs> force you to it. Because then, then you really rise to the occasion. I know. You it's do true. a great job. I'd I never guess know. so. I came together. <laughs> you're like a very outgoing person from when I, when you're out in the world. Exactly. But you are a bit of a, a hermit. I am. <laughs> Which is I'm the like both. card connected to Virgo. Mm. The hermit card in the tarot is connected to Virgo. Well, what I've learned over the course of my life is that the extrovert, it was an adaptation. The real me is the hermit. And the extrovert is what I uh, evolved to just deal with the world and and survive. Sure. My bad childhood. I mean, you are a real true expression of a Virgo in the sense that Virgos are, I mean, they're Mercury ruled. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So very much communication. Yeah. the writer. But they're also healers. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of your relationship work is really 100%. healing work. I mean, have you always sort of connected to being a healer or when did you attach your work That's to so the work of a, of a healer? It's funny. I don't really, I know it's true because like uh, the real, what do they say? The real ruler of Virgo is Chiron, right, exactly. the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always knew that there could be better. Yeah. And I don't mean like, more on an ego level, like cash and prizes better. But Mm -hmm. I just knew that there was, you could live better. So I feel like I always had that awareness. Even when you were young? Yeah. Because yeah, you did have a bit of a... Yeah, I had a a ride. Uh Um, So I was just aware. And I always, I think it comes down to, for me, like being able to not, to like be honest with myself. That's what it is. I feel like I always knew like, wait, this isn't your best self. Mm. This isn't your highest good. You're not doing that right now. Because I certainly did a lot of things that were not consistent with like the, you know, right action. But early on, I was interested in using my experience to help others Mm -hmm. pretty early on. Like, I remember I was always having some kind of conversation, even when I was like 19, I moved to San Francisco and I worked in the cosmetics department at iMagnon. Oh, yes. (laughs) There's this fancy department store on Union Square. And I remember having lunch one day with one of my coworkers and everybody there was older than me. They were all like 30, 31. And this woman, she said, wow, 
you're really wise. And I was like, oh. And like people had been telling me that my whole life, but I didn't know what they were talking about. But I remember having that conversation that one day. And I remember thinking, oh. She's like, you should write about your life. You should write a book. And I was like, never. I mean, I didn't write a book for another 20 years. Wow. If not 30, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but in that moment of her saying it, did that even resonate? The fact at all that I remember it, and it was like thirty something years ago, yeah. isn't that weird? The stuff you remember, yeah. So I remember her saying that. Um, I always get really trippy with those sorts of moments, and I think like there was a soul contract made between you and that woman for her to remind okay. you in that moment. Yeah, like I really believe because you have these profound experiences with people that you never see again. Of course, but it's like no, you did. Like we made an agreement before we came here. Okay, where, like, you were gonna be like, hey Tracy, remember. You're wise as fuck and you got to write a book. I guess so. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Um, per, now I know because I had a soul contract. With <laughs> yeah. This woman, I remember her first name. It was Claudia. Yes. Um, and she sold, um, what was her line? You know, because we all had a line. Sure. I, I worked at Prescriptives. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and she was at something, I don't know, one of those ones. It's probably gone now. But anyway. God bless Claudia. Yeah, so cool. I started to know it then. And then I just always was talking to everybody about their relationships. Mm-hmm. And then gradually it started to turn where probably around 2002. So I, I had many years of a career in TV news, 16 years. And in my very last TV news job, I was super over it. But I realized, well, maybe I'm not here to do TV news. Maybe TV news is just the purported reason I'm here. But what I'm really here to do is share experience and strength and hope with people. Mm. So then I kind of made that my thing. And it turned out that I just helped a lot of people with their relationships and I helped them get on track, usually using my own experiences. And like I would help people get married or get clear on what it was that they wanted. So that would be the more, you know, where when it started to become obvious that like I had a little gift and that somehow I could help people get clear in this way. And then gradually it just kept growing. So, yeah, because you've had you've done a really great job, I feel, of like creating a little community through your like social media and you're always doing these beautiful little videos sort of inspiring people through questions. And I feel like you must see or what's nice about that is that you get to see in real time people's responses of thank you so much. Yeah. Maybe, you know, like. I can only imagine that that must motivate you to continue the work. Well, that's so interesting you say that because like we were talking on the way in about how Noche is a Leo, yes. right? <laughs> and I feel like a Leo would be all like, that's face, you know, face cream or like, mm, let me just like get put this, rub this in all over me. I do not have that relationship to people's gratitude or feedback. Mm. My relationship to it is, has, is like, it has nothing to do with me. Mm. Not like in a denunciation of it, but yeah. just in a way of like, I honestly feel like that's all you, girl. That's your healing. You, you're you doing it. I'm just here doing my healing. I turn the camera on. I share my experiences, but I'm not personally responsible for this. Mm. Like, don't get it mixed up. It's not me. It's not, there's not a tracy person that's doing it that's taking credit for it right does that make sense yeah uh, yeah this goes back to one of okay. my favorite tracy mcmillan quotes <laughs> yes. of all time okay where you talked about stepping into a hologram of yourself mm. oh, 
Do you remember when you said no. that? Okay, well, again. <laughs> he uses it all the time. I use it really? all yeah. the time. Okay, tell me what so I said. So you were talking about that Oprah Super Soul experience okay. and how it was one of those moments where you like stepped into a hologram of right. yourself. It was bigger than you and yes. you grew in yeah. that moment to embody what needed to be That's embodied right. for that moment That's for the right. collective. Yes, and but that it's not like but all the time. But, but like, it's not you. It's not me. No. Right. Like people, like they get mixed up. They're like, no, girl, that's not you. Right. But it also is. It's like it's the archetype of Tracy McMillan. It's yeah. like coming through me. Yeah. I'm here for it. But the minute you, if I really started to believe that was me, oh, yeah. I would be blocking. It wouldn't come through me anymore. Totally. Well, yeah, that's when you get dysfunctional gurus and and how many of situation. those people are there out there? So, so much, so many. I know. Like, part of me has wanted to stay small just so that doesn't happen, mm. right? But I feel like that's the fine, the you know, the fine edge of the sword. Exactly. That is. Yeah. I had you know? <laughs> I had a really powerful experience around that about two years ago. So when I started doing videos on Facebook was because I was at this big dinner with a bunch of people. I was in New York, and um. Long story short, one of the people at the table had an assistant who was from Tennessee or like somewhere outside the media world. And I don't know why that's significant, but perhaps it is. And anyway, I said, you know what? I just don't want to put make it about me or put a lot of attention on myself or it's just like I don't want to do that. And she's like, excuse me, but... Like, with all due respect, like, I don't really think it's about you. I think if you have a gift, you kind of just need to give it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she was like 24 years old. And I went, she's right. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You just called me up, not called me out. She called me up. Mm. And that's when I started making videos. Love it. And I was like, all right. You know, other times when I'm joking, I'm be like, God gave me this hair. Okay. It's like God gave me TV hair. (laughs) Totally. Because I spent so many years, I have a broadcast journalism degree. I was like, I am not being on camera. I don't want to be on camera. I want to dance on tabletops. I want to be wild. I don't want to be like all straight and whatever. Yeah. So I never pursued on camera, but it didn't matter. Like the universe was like, look, we gave you the TV hair. Okay. (laughs) You best use it. You know what I mean? I was like, okay. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do. And that was like in my late 40s, you know? So it's kind of like, if it's for you, you can't stop it. Yeah, right. totally. You know? Well, that's, I think, the beauty of it. And where I'm always inspired by you is that I feel like it, you you did have, I mean, you've had many chapters. A lot of lives. Many lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like the one that has sort of propelled you into, you know, I guess sort of, cultural success you okay could say didn't really hit for you until yeah sort of in your 40s yeah um like late 40s yeah mm-hmm. and and so i it's can you find like any sort of moment that sort of where you realized like the shift was happening for that or that you mm. actually allowed yourself into that to step into yeah, that Yeah, I know. It's really interesting. Um, okay, so this goes to the awareness. Like, at a, even at a very young age, I knew that if you gave me what I have now, I would have misused it. You know what I mean? At like, tw- in my 20s, I would have used it for myself. Yeah. I would, I wasn't ready. And it was like, I deeply on some weird, intangible level knew I was not ready. Mm-hmm. Um. So I really feel like, and I can look back and go, I sort of had an an awareness all along that I could do something out there. I don't know why. 
there were little signs, you know? Um, but I also knew I wasn't there because whatever I would have had to give at that level would have been a lot of ego, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of limited understanding. And I probably would have used it for myself, like I said. So then as I started to, and you know, I started on a very serious spiritual journey. I've always been on a spiritual path, always been a seeker. Um, it got more serious in 95 and then it got even more serious in 99. And, um, where it was like a real lifestyle, like a life shift where I had a more of a daily practice around, you know, okay, I'm here for God, even mm -hmm. though you can, whatever word you want to use for God, I'm yeah. not married to the word God. So as I started to get deeper, deeper, deeper into that journey and um, my life experiences were taking me to new understandings. And then I started to become willing to write about those experiences because I was afraid to be seen. Like, again, this is the Virgo part of me, does not want the spotlight, does not want to be out there. I would never raise my hand and volunteer. Like, I would never want to be the girl that's called up on stage or right. the person. I don't want that. Like, yeah. So even though I seem like a person who would want that, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I Deep down, that's not You've who I am. You've had to force yourself into that. I have. Yeah. And um, so as I got, as I had more to give, so I wrote a piece, it went viral, Why You're Not Married. And it was probably right around then that I realized, I remember having a conversation with Jill Soloway, mm -hmm. right? Who is a close friend and was my person who brought me into this business. And we met as moms, our kids at the same age. We were set up on a blind mom date <laughs> and we hit it off. And then years later, I had written this thing and I sent it to her and I said, I wrote this screenplay called you know the space bar i think you've read it mm -hmm. and um she was like listen i'm way too busy but i know you can write so i'll send it to my agent so long story short that's how i got an agent and it took like a year and then a year later i got a job um but she said to me you know you should do all the writing you could possibly do she's like why don't you do a staged reading there was this thing called sit and spin you would get up there and read an eight minute piece She's like, write a sit and spin. It's like an essay. I don't even know what a, what is it? What's a yeah. stage reading? <laughs> She's like, it's an essay. You know, it's like eight minutes. Just, you know, write what only you can write. That's what she said. And I was like, well, I've been married and divorced three times. I could write about that. Yeah. So it's scary to write about something that's like, what? This is like a source of shame, really. So I wrote about that. And then the audience really loved it. And I was like, wow, that's weird. And people were like, you should really write that as a book. So I wrote a book proposal. I got a book agent and I took it out and I got 14 rejections because people were like, who would want to read a relationship book from somebody who's been married and divorced three times? So I put it in the drawer. But that was probably the first moment doing that stage reading that I became willing to stand up in front of a group of people and tell the truth about who I am but in a way that's lifted because like I've learned, I've learned the lessons. I'm basically sharing what I've learned, you know, and that's probably the first moment. It's so amazing because Virgo 
one way to think about the sign of Virgo is as the mother and the child. Oh, really? And right. so what I've been seeing through just you talking wow. is that there was always this mother. Wow. This like wise part of you that was like, well, you're not going to be drinking forever, girl. Yeah. But And then there was the child. Yes. And how you have really allowed that relationship oh, within my yourself God. to move you forward. That is such a great insight. Thank you so much for oh, that. Oh my gosh. Well, it's beautiful to see embodied, you know, yeah. because yeah. we always say like there's high vibe for the sign and low vibe for the sign. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, like low vibe Virgo would be I, a, one way is that mommy and child don't talk to each other at all. Mm. Right. Or that it's not, you know, it's aggressive. It's a, yeah, there's or an it's like unharmonious relationship. Yes, where your yeah. inner child is acting out against your desire mm-hmm. to like be disciplined. Or, or it's, it's not a good mother. It's yes. like a, it's yeah. like a, so I have a whole thing around motherhood. So this is the <laughs> thing that that is so great about what you're saying, because I feel like the the partnering journey and the parenting journey are, ex- are they're like a double helix. Mm, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like they're the same journey because whatever you didn't get in parenting, you come into your partnership lacking or repeating oh, right. or, oh, yeah. or, you know, uh, whatever that is. And that relationship of healing whatever was missing in the parenting so that you can partner. Because basically whenever people have trouble with their relationships, it's something coming... And then the other part of it is just people grow up and then they parent in certain ways and nothing gets me triggered. Like my one trick, like I'm pretty chill because I've worked through most of my shit. Nothing gets me triggered like a woman who is misattuned to her children. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the deepest thing that I will be like, like, let's say you're in a public place or, you know, um, and I can feel misattunement really strongly or you hear people talking about their journey with their children you hear people characterizing their children in ways that are not relating to the child from a place of empathy perspective taking understanding that this is a child of god understanding that this is a sovereign human being who is right. not a reflection of you that has come here for their own path and you're basically the custodian mm. in the, the most loving way you are here to take care, but not sit there and go, I know who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be blank. And if you don't conform to their con- their idea of what you're supposed to be, they move into a place of either rejection, punishing, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just relating to their child through their old shit. Exactly. As opposed to being in the presence of who their child exactly. is. What you were saying about the way that like on The Bachelor, people mm-hmm. are approaching relationships like you're here for me. Oh, it's what people do with their exactly. kids too, right? It's like, oh, you're here for me. Yeah. And when they, and when the person, because this is what happens, they become teenagers and they're like, actually, I'm here for me. Yeah. And the, you know, all teenagers are not super difficult. I mean, they're all going to individuate and that's going to be a process, but the level of difficulty and the level of intensity is going to be directly related to your level of trying to control or um, project your thing onto them Mm because it's an arms race. So if you bring a tank, they'll bring a, you know, whatever is bigger than a tank. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're a teenager. Yeah. So they're going to individuate. For sure. That's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, you're worried about them because how are they going to go out in the world and they haven't even finished separating from mom? Yeah, exactly. And just living out from their child self. That's something my therapist and I, shout out to my therapist, we've always talked about and like worked through is like, you know, who's in the driver's seat here? Mm. Is your sort of your child? Yeah. Child you in the driver's seat? Yeah. Adult you in the driver's seat? And a lot of the time, I think people don't realize that they're sort of 
Their wounded yeah. child is driving the bus. Exactly. <laughs> They're making all of these important adult decisions in yeah. their relationships and career from this place of insecurity or fear. Right. Stems from their childhood as opposed to actually making amends with those things. That's right. And and coming from a place of responsibility and integrity. Mm-hmm. And I have a 21-year-old son now who's almost 22. And at this age, they can they feed you back what their childhood was like. Ooh. And so on so many levels, What's like, that like? <laughs> well, in my case, it's like amazing. Well, yeah, I'm like, you were whoa, because you were present. I didn't. Parent. Well, I made a million mistakes. And if you had looked like I have deficits coming from the kind of childhood that I come from, there are deficits, but weirdly not in like the very core important areas. Like, so I, I you know, there's kind of like what I would call snack plate moms. Like they, they kick at they kick a snack plate's ass, right? They're like, right. check me out. I got a snack plate. I've got it all going on on the outside. Yeah. But on the inside, there's all this misattunement. Like they don't see what's happening with their child. They don't, because there's a thing where you mind map another human being and you kind of learn who they are and you sort of understand why they're doing the things they're doing. Even if that person's a child, even if that person's your child. So you, I'm saying you could suck at snack plates, right? But if you've got that part going on, they're going to feel seen and heard and understood and known yeah. and loved. But all the snack plates and outfits and externals and all the external stuff, you know, if you can have all that. But without the other thing, your kid is going to be, what's the word? It's basically like less cohered you're going to see it in their behavior Mm. you're going to see it in their choices and then a lot of times what parents do is the child starts to act out the the parents deficits and then the parents like what's wrong with you what's wrong with you we're gonna take you to wilderness wilderness is like the extreme where they get they start with the drugs i mean i'm not dissing anybody's choices really but i just want people to look at how you treat your child instead of handle yourself yeah you know so the mother child thing is huge for me and it's interesting that you are pointing that out you know because i feel like if we could get the parenting straight most of the relationship problems would resolve themselves for sure you also have a really beautiful way of and maybe it's the writer in you but even just in this conversation you've said a couple of times like the the story for your life like you're Mm -hmm. here to i'm here to bring hope yeah. Or I'm here to do this or I'm here yeah. to do that. And I think that's a really powerful practice mm-hmm. that most people don't ever consciously sit mm. down and go like, what is the story I'm writing with right. my life? Today. What am I really here to do? Yes. And I think that's also like, that's the mother. The mother mm-hmm. goes, you're here to spread kindness. Right. Or you're, And the child goes, yeah, you know, you're right. Because it's like, you've got a gift. Yeah. In this. So. And you're looking for it in your journey. So some of the things that Joseph has played out or like he's very... Um, Okay, so this is kind of a weird example, but a good example. <laughs> so he was showing me his um, his Tinder profile. I know, Jay. He's like, maybe you shouldn't talk about your kid's Tinder profile. <laughs> yeah, as our son is saying, I don't know. I know. Well, what it says is it's all about kindness. He's like, I'm a kind person and I'm looking for a kind person. Okay, now... Honestly, at 21, that's not going to get you a long way on Tinder. No, it's probably you know not going to get saying? you anywhere. But that's no, that's beautiful. not true. He actually started, and I, I won't talk You're about him. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to put him on blast. But I will say, like, 
you know what you get with that? What's right for you. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, that's what's coming from. He learned not to, he doesn't objectify other people nor himself. Mm. I'm like, damn, where'd he get that? But I'm like, oh, that's what was in the air. Because I think what children get is like language. You don't teach them your accent. You don't teach them language. They pick it up. It's caught, not taught. Mm. And I feel like that's how emotional worlds are too. Oh my God, For children. It's like everything they've got going on was caught, not taught. Yeah. So if your kid has a lot of different affect, that's all, whatever, you have to look within. Right. Yeah. And some children are even more, you know, sensitive than yeah. others. So you have to really be aware of yeah. that because they're just going to absorb. And they're going to mirror. So if what they're showing you is something that you're is disturbing or upsetting, it's something we have to look at in ourselves. And I feel like I always took whatever Joseph had going on. And I'm like, all right, where am I needing to grow? What am I supposed to be looking at? So... Joseph's probably going to end up in therapy talking about, you know, I couldn't always pull together. Like, I don't really cook. I heat up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like stuff like that where I was not like the great mom. Because like, I'm like, we heat up a lot of shit around here. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of takeout involved. But whatever. I was a single working mom. I did what I could. Yeah. But I had the, I feel like I got the right things right. Yeah. Well, the external trappings are not as important. They're really not. Yeah. They're really not. And like the video games and all that. I'm less concerned about that than I am about, does he feel seen? Mm, right. Because everybody's got their journey with substances or behaviors. There's not a person on this planet who doesn't have a journey around food, drugs, alcohol, video games, the phone, shopping, gambling, whatever their thing is, sex, whatever. Yeah, or all of the above. Or all of the above. Yeah. Everybody's got a journey. So I'm not here to freak out about what my kid's going to have a journey around. I'm here to go, okay, everybody's got a journey. You're going to have to figure out yours. Mm. I can't do it for you. I wish I could. But I remember he was like 17, 16, 17. And I said, you know what? Here's the deal. Your life doesn't start someday. It already started. So I I just hope you make good choices. Mm. Like you're empowering them to know it's actually your life. Right. No one can do it for you. Which is the opposite of growing up with narcissistic, you know, parents or grandparents. It's like you're never empowered to live your own life. You're always supposed to be like, I can't tell you the revelation it was for me somewhere in my 20s when I maybe was a therapist. I said like, you realize your parents get their own life to live. So you get to live yours for you. Mm. And I didn't even realize how deep, deeply ingrained the things that I was pursuing what weren't even for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and were... I was like in my like mid 20s. Like I was, by all, you know, I was a young adult. Right. I mean, that's early to get it. Honestly, I feel like right. most people don't get it until like, you know, some people just run the whole shot clock down on whatever. Totally. But so that's, I get it. Yeah. And they're like, if you don't live it for them, they're hurt. Oh, yeah. No, you're a bad or, person. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're a bad person. How could you do that? How could you, you know, bring this shame or this or dishonor? Or do whatever. Or do you. Yeah. How could you do you? How dare yeah. you do you yourself? You to them. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's gnarly. Perhaps I'm still grappling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to some degree, we are all dealing. So I was abandoned by my parents. Basically, my dad was a lifetime criminal. My mom gave me up. And And I got raised in foster homes, and there were some caretakers along the way. My dad's girlfriend cared for me for like 10 years. Um, But so I came into adulthood essentially an orphan. 
And in some ways, I listen to people talk about their relationships with their parents, and I'm like, I, the gift of that experience, and there's always a gift. I don't care what happened. There's always a gift. Mm -hmm. The gift of that is like, I did not deal with a lot of parental expectation, parental fantasy around me. I was kind of free to go go make myself. Yeah. And um, And that is a gift in a lot of ways. Oh my God. I do not deal with that stuff, you know? Because sometimes I think parents, even with the best intentions, reward their children sometimes for like what they're really good at when they're young. Right. And that can be just as damaging because then it's like somebody's pursuing something yeah, for, for their adult you. life because mm-hmm. they were good at it in eighth grade. Right. And their parents were like, this is what you're, it's like, that's such a mind fuck. It is. I know. And then there are times, and I don't know, this is where you know that everybody's journey is their own specific, because you're like, well, it worked out for Venus and Serena. You right. know what I mean? Well said. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. You know you're what? like, yeah. they were probably abused. There was probably crazy yeah. amounts of parental fantasy. There was like, you're doing this, but it worked out for them. Now, what about the other 12 million baby, you know, junior tennis players that had all the same levels of fantasy, all the same levels of abuse, and it didn't work out for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, how do you explain that except to say everybody's got their journey yeah. and then we're all going to work out whatever our situation is, you know? Yeah. yeah. But you're so we're always in process of healing, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, you've mentioned some of the things you've been through, mm-hmm. married and divorced three times. Mm-hmm. How do you know when you've, you know, sort of broken the cycle of a specific thing that you're healing, Yeah, you know, that you've sort of like leveled up, okay. so to speak. Well, I think it demonstrates in your life. Uh-huh. Like you will see a demonstration in your life. So in, this is under the idea that your life is basically a outpicturing of your inner world, your belief systems, your past, your history, your um, legacy, you know, like I'm I'm descended from slaves. So there's a slavery legacy that we carry as black people, you know, um, that isn't about the color of our skin or it's about a history that we've all experienced, a collective history. So there are certain aspects of that that I could still be playing out. Mm. Um, so when did I know I'm free? Number one, the sign that I'm free is that I have peace. So that's the number one sign that I have. I am free in an area. I have leveled up when I have peace in that area. Mm. If I think about that area, like my dad, you know, going to prison, I have peace as opposed to ripples on the lake. Right. You okay. know? That, I want to like tweet, tweet that. That is, <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then the second way is that it, it, it no longer is, I'm not manifesting it anymore in the world. So um, to use an example of my dad, Um, so I'm not manifesting the relationships that are the direct result of that relationship with my dad. Now, this is not to say I got with a lot of criminals. I didn't, but I would either go for basically going against my dad or I was going for my dad. Now for Mm -hmm. my dad, I could find the rich white went to Harvard version of my poor black lived in prison dad. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because it's all about how that what you experience around the person. It's not about who the other person is. Yes, the energy. Does that make sense? It's like, I'm living the relationship with my dad, even though this guy has nothing to do with my dad. I'm living the same feelings I had with my dad. These are some of the relationship, like signs that you're in your 
um, old ideas or whatever you want to say, you haven't Mm -hmm. healed yet. If somehow you're still having that same feeling you've always had Mm. instead of peace. Right. And something we were just talking about, because you can also then sort of stay stuck because you on some level get addicted to that. Yeah. Healing, well, it becomes you know, an identity. I think. Yeah. You think, oh, I'm I'm so attached to my identity as somebody who's a survivor or right. what have you that you never transcend the yeah. wound. You're always still, I always say like you're always fingering the wound. Well, I mean, it's true because I think the weird part is that it feels good. You know, like you'll like, you know, that Millie Jackson song from 1973, Hurt So Good. Uh-huh. Hurt so good. She's all like. <laughs> Um, I love that song. She's yeah. like, first you put my heart in the palm of your hand and you squeeze it tight. She's like, um, she's like, cause it ain't no good unless it hurts a little bit. Oh, yeah. wow. oh girl. I know. Right. <laughs> How many? Why? Well, to me, that's a song about how it actually weirdly strangely the ho- the pain feels good when you're doing your childhood thing. Cause you're like this time I'm going to get it right. Right. Mm. And, um, of course, we never get it right. We get it right when we free ourselves from the pattern, you know? And do our own or, thing. Or, like in my current relationship, my boyfriend has so many qualities of my dad. All the great qualities of my dad. Mm-hmm. So there's all this intensity and heat there. You know, what we would call passion or chemistry. Because I'm always like, look, big chemistry is usually just uh, a sign that you're going to be dealing with a lot of your unresolved childhood wounds. (laughs) Like the the hotter the chemistry, the more it is, it's like, hi, dad, you know? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or hey, mom. Yeah. Or hey, mom. Yeah. Hey, mom. Yeah. I was very Yeah. (laughs) How dare you? Hi, mommy. (laughs) Um, My daddy and my mom. I know. You have to work out both your issues. Well, I mean, that's the best, you know. So my boyfriend has a lot of that. Which is fine. I could go with that as long as he was willing to go on the healing journey. I'm right. like, look, the presence of all this chemistry is a sign that, that we're going to be dealing with some stuff in this relationship. Are you down for the the ride, for the commitment, for the growth and the healing? That's and if you are, then let's do this, you know? But if you're not, then this could be a destructive thing. So it's not like the chemistry is a problem necessarily it's about what's the agreement with the couple for what we're going to do with this yeah you know and i have to say tracy like even that feels more evolved than most people are like having those conversations in relationship and i don't know but i think even the idea that you would sit down with somebody in the fairly early stages of a relationship and go like are you down for this journey of healing that this relationship is going to (laughs) inevitably lead us on yeah you know well, that's what people, that's my message. But it's I think like, that's, I mean, yeah. I'll say that's definitely the core of our relationship. Right. Is it because we met both from like a spiritual seeking perspective, every right. bump in the road, we've always been like, okay, what are we being yeah. challenged yeah, to transform or to grow? It, yeah. And that's how, I mean, we're, that's how we stay together. Now we're like five and a half years in and it's been a lot of bumps, you know? Mm-hmm. I could choose other, I have been in other relationships that were less bumpy, but there's less of my material there. Mm, And it's almost like the glue. And I feel like this is a personal choice. Like people can be like, 
you know, I want to live in the suburbs. And I'm like, you know, I want to live in New York City. Totally. Like we all just decide <laughs> yeah. what how much intensity we can stand, yeah. what our personal taste is. Totally. You know, so I feel like this is another thing that you see on The Bachelor. You see people, just to bring it full circle. Please. <laughs> it's like you see people rejecting a certain, if it's not super high chemistry, they're like, oh, never mind. But in fact, those relationships can be really wonderful, you know? So I don't think everybody has to have, I, I just think you got to figure out who you are and what you need and then do that. Yeah. But the, the culture tells us the only relationship that matters is when it's super, um, super intense. Oh, yeah. You know, well, the culture Brad and wants Angelina us to be, right. yeah. <laughs> I think the culture wants us to be addicted mm-hmm. to intensity mm-hmm. because that feeds capitalism mm. and consumerism right good point so it's like if it's not consuming you totally what are you doing with it well you know i feel like we don't talk about capitalism enough no we really no. don't you know because it's really like we're the goldfish and capitalism is the water and we're like what water yeah, and we don't realize totally. that if we without that we might make completely different life decisions our lives would feel so different yeah well i say to angel and this is of course like a very privileged position and of Mm -hmm. course like i do have financial struggles but Mm -hmm. just based on how i grew up i always say to angel like i don't ever want us to make a decision because of money yeah and i know that's a really privileged thing to say and of course sometimes we do but the idea for me is always like if money were not an object would we be making the same decision right and I think that's important yeah. because people, I think, will spend their whole lives pursuing things that they yeah. have no real heart calling to right. it just right. because money is the God. Well, and there's there's like a, I feel like this is my other Virgo thing. Okay, so I grew up super poor. It was all like, oh, the light is going to get turned off or whatever. Um, so I'm like the teetotaler, you know, who grew up in an alcoholic home around money. Like I've always been... I said to my kid, I go, listen, here's the deal with money. If you never spend every dollar you earn, you will always have money. Because for me, like I, you know, I feel like I got married for security. You know what I mean? Like so much of my relationship history oftentimes for women is tied up in the economics of living, you know, and I don't want to have to do that. Um, And that isn't to say I didn't love my first husband. It's that I didn't know how to unhook those things from each other they just are like that's why the bachelor always has to be rich because of course you know but anyway um well that and that's an old legacy of just like what it means to be a woman well and it's evolved and And it's evolved women you know men want fertility and women want resources you know um but women also want you know, they want resources, but they also want the other thing. And this is the thing that DNA t- tests are showing us that a lot of women have, you know, they'll have a marriage with somebody with resources or who is stable. And then they'll have an affair with somebody who has the bad boy genes. You know what I mean? The out there, wild, like aggressive genes. Yeah. And so they'll have babies with two different kinds of people. Wow. Just like men. You know, we think only men want to scatter their thing. That's not true. Women, yeah. women have long history of... I mean, history isn't even the word. We're talking about evolution, you know, 50,000 years of behavior that has led us to wherever we are as a species, you know? And then we have things like the pill, 
that changed the entire game, but we've only had 50 years to catch up with what it means mm. that now suddenly reproduction and sex are two different things. Totally. You know? Oh my gosh, yeah. So when I start, so, so much of my understanding as a relationship person is like figuring out how the evolved thing comes together with the spiritual thing, you know? Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it makes me think about, you know, the idea that like spiritual energy and sexual energy are one and the same, mm. like the idea of Kundalini energy. And yeah. it's just all about how are you approaching it? Yeah. What are you doing with it? Yeah. And creative energy. Cause that's all the same thing. And I noticed when I got what I would call like my love addiction under control, mm -hmm. that's when my career took off. And wow. it's probably not an, an, accident that when i stopped my obsessing on the romantic relationship all that energy went into my creative world Ooh. all right the focus came in no so i'm so excited <laughs> i want to shift gears a little bit and talk yeah. to you about creativity okay um so in the tarot there are two mm -hmm. suits that speak to creativity there's okay. wands mm -hmm. which i always say like these are the things in your life that spark Okay. fire so there's creativity that sparks mm -hmm. and then there's cups mm -hmm. and these are the things in your life that flow mm. and so i always say it's up to you to figure out is this creativity sparking or is it flowing hmm. and some examples I'll, i give sometimes i'm like you know like when i'm writing a song right it usually flows from me you know okay but if i'm writing a scene that feels like it sparks oh interesting or like the inception of the amen mm. i just thought it would be an interesting wow thing to draw you out on because you do have so many different creative yeah endeavors. that's true and you know maybe that's why i like all my different creative things because they're mm. all different like like i maybe this is the virgo thing too where i have i mean mind is like probably the most important thing in some ways yeah and I just need to keep stimulated. I need a lot of stimulation. I like to move around between things a lot. Um, so basically, I'm like that interesting idea of flow. I would say when I'm in screenplay mode, or not even just screenplay mode, but any... So there's different phases of, for instance, working on a TV show. Let's say you're developing a show. There's going to be a lot of documents that are explaining what is this show and they're going to, and why is it important? And what's it going to feel like? And what's it going to look like? And who's the protagonist? And why is this important? So in one of those documents, you are basically, anytime I'm in that kind of writing, I'm going to be in a real like flow state where I'm super focused. I lost track of time. I'm like, it's almost like you're staring at the third eye in your brain yeah. or you're you're watching something inside your mind and you're just taking dictation, you know? The spark thing, I feel like the spark thing for me is the thing that gets it started. Mm. Like what makes me sit down? Because there's always this magical moment when I leave the New York Times, I leave Twitter, I leave right, whatever right. thing I'm doing <laughs> and it'll be like, it's almost like when you wake up in the morning and you decide to get out of bed. Yeah. It's like there's one moment where you go, I'm, I'm out of bed. I'm getting out of bed. I am doing this. You know, yeah. that there's a similar moment when I decide, you know what? I'm done with all this procrastinating. I am going to the web, the page that I'm working on and I'm going to put my fingers on the keys and I'm going to wait for the first inspiration. Right. You know, I'm going to be there for it. And then it happens. Usually I just read my last sentence that I'd written. And then boom, it's like sparks. And it's like, oh yeah, this. And then once I do that, then I'm in it. Now I'm in flow. Amazing. And 
Is there any shift in your creative process if you're writing something fictional or non-fictional or, you know, the novel as opposed to the screenplay? I feel like it's all non-fiction. Ah. You know, like, I'm like, what's fiction? I don't even know what that is. Right. Now, I'm... Um, tweet, tweet. You know? <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, I only read fiction, actually. And I only read nonfiction. How, and, and because, yeah. But for me, when I read fiction, <laughs> it feels so real because I read fiction because I want to lose myself in a world that almost feels more real than the one I'm I I totally oh. know what you're talking about. I just have, I favor nonfiction for whatever reason, but um, like well, that, that would stimulation. be- stimulation. And I was going to say, that's another Virgo thing because my- core 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 thing is learning mm. i just want to be learning 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 yeah. learning and i know you can learn on on fiction but i kind of don't want to go all the way into another world and get lost i want to stay in this world and then but also be in another world yeah that's totally earth sign. plus also i think just being inspired by people's actual real stories i'm always i'm always i i prefer non-fiction too because mm -hmm. i'm always just so inspired by the you know intensity of reality that people have experienced yeah. and overcome yeah i'm re i'm into real like even when i was a kid i never had like tiger beat posters up on my wall i was crushing out on the person who was in my world it had to be able to happen in order for me to get excited about it love that yeah. so virgo yeah. but it was also <laughs> limiting you know like other people could imagine being a movie star i, I was like what no i imagine being mary tyler moore because i'm from minneapolis right, right. and then i became mary tyler moore yeah Amazing. you know what i mean and yeah and i'm inter interested in prince because i saw him walking down the street in uptown the other day you know what i mean yeah. like he's real it could happen i love that yeah um all right, y'all. So we're just going to have Tracy pull a tarot card and wow. that'll be the message for everybody for, you know, the next couple weeks or so. Yes. So the way this works is we just ask you to tune in for a moment and just know that this will resonate in no matter the future place or time to which you're listening to this. You can connect to the sound of the cards just hearing me shuffle them. All right, I'm going to go lay them out and let Tracy pick one. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got so excited by the poem. Woo, woo. <laughs> All right, so Tracy pulled the judgment card. What does that and mean? I, I retitle the judgment card okay. the awakening card. Mm. It is the second to last card in the major arcana, and it's right. basically like right at the end of the journey. It's right before the world, which is like, this is over now. Wow. Time for a new beginning. Wow. And so I always look at the judgment card as the revelation that you are not the same. Wow. And then we look back at mm -hmm. the path and i always say it's no judgment because you mm -hmm. don't judge your journey right. once you realize how it's transformed 100 percent. how it's gotten you to where you need it to be you don't judge the shoplifting because you go that was teaching me something, exactly and i don't do it anymore right <laughs> so the appearance of this card just means that everyone should start to acknowledge how they are different yeah how they have shifted and i think mm -hmm. that's again going back to the mother and the child it's like when you have a mom that sees you mm -hmm. and hears you they go oh wow honey like you've really you've leveled up you've graduated yeah. mm -hmm. but once you graduate from college or your PhD, it's like nobody yeah. acknowledges when you've ascended. Well, can mm -hmm. I say something about that? The yeah. real thing in the mother for me is knowing that even if they're still shoplifting, the ascension is there and we're here to activate it and hold the space for it. It's amazing. You know? Yeah. It's like knowing that every human being you encounter has a yet to be totally. that is just as real 
right now. It just has not manifested or demonstrated quite yet. I love that. Like when you said that God is everywhere. 100%. Or when I think about like all space is sacred, it's just that you Mm -hmm. have to tune in to the inherent sacredness of yeah. it in order to call it forth. Well, and that's yeah. such a sacred part of being in relationship too, is holding the space yeah. for your partner's ascension. Yes. Okay, this is fire. <laughs> oh my God. Well, what I love about that is that at my age, you know, I'm like in my mid fifties, which is crazy, but awesome. Is like, that's where you are. You hope is yeah. that you can look and go, wow, I've, I t- I've taken every single thing that came my way and I've grown with it. And now I can look back and go, I'm not the same. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm ready for the world. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh like, God, let's bring it out. I yeah, love that. which is the next card. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> I'm stealing. I'm stealing that. Yeah, ready for the world. Take it. Um, but then it's also sometimes a conscious decision where you have to go like, mm-hmm. am I gonna, am I gonna do this the old way? Right. Or am I gonna do this the new way? Hundred percent. Well, rise up, everybody. Yeah. Tracy, we are so honored to Thank have you. you here today. Thank, Thank you for I blessing the space with, you with your presence and your wisdom. <laughs> yeah, you are a member of our love tribe. You're oh, at our wedding and helped oh, create the energy of this union. What an honor. So, so true. Yeah. We're grateful to have you as a member of Thank our love you. tribe. Thank you. I love being in it. <laughs> Um, where can people find you if they need to find you? You know, find me on Instagram. That's where I like to hang. I'm some other places, but that's where I like to be the most Mm because it's friendly and nice and open and pretty light over there. It is. Um, And that's just at your name, right? At Tracy McMillan. Yeah. And the new own show. The new own show, Family or Fiance, starts March 9th. Oh, I can't wait either. It's going to be good. So we just want to thank, uh, our neighbor Carl for all of his wonderful production work. Thank you, Carl. And to Justin Simeon for all the music that is mm. a part of our show. Hey, and Justin. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and of course, thank you to all of you for listening. Um, we really appreciate you. Uh, you can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. Or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Uh, please feel free to drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking. If you have questions you want us to look into, we're here for you. We love you, gazers. And thank you so much for <laughs> tuning in. Until next time, this has been your moment in The, the Spiritual, Spiritual Gaze. Gaze. Uh, woo, woo. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>